Hey y'all, welcome back to the coffee table. It's your fave, the Prince of Petty, your educated black man. Yes, it is me, Marcus. Um, I am back here in the studio with a lovely couple of friends of mine. We're going to be talking about some wonderful things today. Uh, so I've been traveling a lot, and so I haven't really been doing much of the podcast thing. Out here trying to score a job, close enough, I think. Um, so hopefully we get there soon. Um, but with everything that's going on in the world, I thought that we would bring something fresh to the media that we have Um and so I have two guests here that are veteran status. Uh, so they're going to go ahead and introduce themselves to you all, talk a little about who they are and um, just their status and where they came from and all of that stuff. And then we'll dive into a little bit of information, question talking, storytelling, fun in the sun. It's not really sunny out today, but it's okay. Go ahead. Uh, so my name's Chris. Uh, I use he, him, his pronouns. Uh, I'm actually a second year graduate student uh, at the University of Iowa. Um, in regards to my veteran status, uh, I was a reservist for six years and I'm now an inactive reserve. My contract expires in uh, September. Um, and during that time I worked in communication, so doing uh, computers, radios, uh, anything that, that connects people electronically from one to another. Um, and so I spent a lot of my time um, at like the battalion and the brigade level, uh, doing communications work, I was mostly running uh, like computer help desks uh, for people. And then by the time uh, I left, I left right before grad school, so I could focus on my grad school. And I am Ureli Mendoza. I spent five years in the Air Force, active duty, back in 2005 to 2010. Um, I was security forces, so basically military police, any law enforcement type. Um, job is what I did. I did deploy three times while I was in, twice to Iraq and once to Afghanistan. Um, yeah, so all the really crappy jobs that nobody wants to do, that's what security forces get stuck doing. A lot of base security, um, prisoner, detainee operations, things like that. Okay, cool, cool. So those are our guests for today. So we're going to bring some fun, lovely things to the table. Uh, one, I just want to start off by asking you all, what was your experience like recognizing that you two both bring two totally different identities to the table right now um, and thinking about who the military has really supported over time or identity-wise who they supported? Um, what was that experience like of being in the military? Because um, Air Force and then Army. Yep. So totally different as well. So let's see. What's up? So back in 2005 when I joined, I joined during um, the surge. So they were pretty much letting anybody in because of the deployment template to Iraq at that time. Um, my experiences clouded with really bad experiences, but I also had really good experiences. Um, most veterans would probably tell you that the best part of military service are the friendships that you make. So I have friends scattered all across the U.S. and um, internationally as well. But um, it was a very sexist and homophobic um, and almost, well, I, I would say racist environment that um, the military creates. Um, and the culture is sustained throughout, really, time. It, it hasn't really changed very much since I've been out, I believe, because, I mean, it's been ongoing forever. Mm -hmm. But I think that there's both good and bad 
experiences, um, and I definitely try to gravitate to the good experiences. There's not much I can do about it now. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so coming from my perspective as a white dude who, <laughs> who identifies as gay, um, I, I, would, I would agree to that, actually, to what you said, Yureli. Um, there, I, I had quite a few, like, not great experiences, um, mostly centered around, uh, my identity as a gay, as a gay person, um, but definitely, um, there were a lot of really great times as well. Um, I think one of the things that I'm really thankful for, um, is kind of being in those situations where you had to depend on each other to get through something. Um, and so, you know, in times where it was like basic training or like when you said, like, like when you deployed, um, I didn't deploy, um, but being able to just be like, oh, this sucks. But you know, the person next to you, like they're going to, they're going to be the ones to get you through it, no matter really who they are. Um, and so no matter how comfortable you really are in that space, um, it kind of forces you to, to attempt to get to know one another and, and at least say, you know what, I can really depend on this person. Mm -hmm. Um, and so because of that, you know, I also have a lot of friends scattered throughout the U.S., scattered throughout the world. Um, and, and I think just talking, yeah, I, it's definitely still sexist. Um, I, I think very, like, very racist. Um, I think I didn't really make that meaning until I left. Mm -hmm. I think, again, just like, like being a white man in the military, can't really think about it. I just kind of exactly. did, I just kind of did my stuff. Um. And I think very homophobic, and I think that's still there even after uh, I I was in the reserves from 2011 to 2017, um, and I swore in the day after uh, "Don't Ask, Don't Tell" was repealed. I remember I remember being so excited about it, like I ran upstairs to my mom and I was crying and I was so excited because I was like, I get to be myself and I get to do this. But then I entered the environment and like my expectations were not met by any means. Mm -hmm. Okay. So talk a little bit about why maybe you joined the military. Are there people that influenced you to, or did you just want to jump into it because you thought it was cool? Because back in the day, I wanted to be <laughs> in the military, yeah. but my mom said no. <laughs> so I never thought about it again. Um, but sometimes I'm like, I wonder what that experience would have been like. I hear a lot of people that walk away from it and they talk about a lot of good things that they've learned discipline wise um but i guess also we talk about the stories of like what it's like to be discriminated against in there based off of some of your identities so i guess so why did you join did you know about any of these issues before you joined and if so just talk about that a little bit i had no context um about the military when making my decision. My brother had joined in 2000, right out of high school. And he's really the first of my um, extended family to have enlisted and he's really the only person I knew that was in. Not even my friends had enlisted. And so when I was done with high school, I didn't really have a lot of direction and I grew up in a really low income area. Um, the prospects were either you ended up in jail or you ended up um, selling drugs or something. And so I remember asking my parents if I could join and they were really opposed to it. And a lot of it being traditional Mexican American family. Um, I'm supposed to stay at home as a woman until I get married or whatever. 
and um, they were really opposed. I was um, I was pretty certain that that's what I wanted to do, so I continued to pursue it. Mm -hmm. I, w I ended up enlisting once I was 19, went in two years after high school, and um, yeah, that's how I made that decision. A lot of it was based on socioeconomic needs. Um, I wanted to pursue higher education, and I knew that the GI Bill would provide for that opportunity. Um, I didn't really have contacts until uh, my sister joined. So my sister joined uh, about a year and a half before I did, and she uh, was in the National Guard. Okay. Um, and she was a, a first she did mental health, and then she was a combat medic. Um, but when she came back from her um, AIT, Advanced Individual Training, um, so in the Army, that, that's where you kind of learn your job. Um, but she came back, and at that point, like, I was kind of thinking about it, because, like, I really looked up to her, um, and, and for me, I was like, why did you join the military, you know, and I had a lot of stereotypes about people who joined the military, mm -hmm. of that, like, they didn't get into college, they were poor, they were, you know, not white, um, <laughs> and so, um, and so for me, I, you know, she came back, and she was like, this is actually one of the greatest points of my life, um. And so, like, from that point on, I clung to the idea. Um, and it was then I took, like, my ASVAB, got in touch with the recruiter, and I joined all within, like, a few months. Um, and so I joined when I was 17. Uh, my parents had a sign for me. Um, and they couldn't tell me no because my sister joined when she was 17. Um, so I used that as my excuse to join. Um, yeah, so I, I, think, I think there weren't any, um, I mean, besides my sister, there weren't any, like, um, like huge factors in my decision. I think it was like very impulsive, um, and it, yeah, it was just something I was like, okay, yep, I'm gonna do it. So I did it. Cool. Nice. So let's jump in, jump into some of the juicy tidbits, not the juicy stuff, but you know, <laughs> the juicy stuff. there are things that we all as civilians know. Um, or assume or participate in and we don't really know the context of it uh, and I know being in the military and stuff is kind of like that organization where you only share so much so I don't want you to feel like I'm pressuring you to share anything mm -hmm. if you don't want to share it don't share it um, but it's always interesting to hear people talk about the different branches of the military and like the competing of it and stuff like that because the air force is always the smart people and then the army is always like the tough people that talk about the people in the air force and then you know you have your national guard who people say don't do anything your navy people who just sit on the boat so there's a lot of different things and then the marines that are just like everybody says just crazy um so like where does, do you know where some of that comes from, or what was your first thought um, when you joined? Did that influence any part of, like, which one that you were going to go to? So, um, so I guess I have, like, a mini personal vendetta towards the Navy, mainly because um, I wanted to join the Navy at first. Because um, I was like, yeah, I'm going to join the Navy. It's super cool. Um, and I, and the first, like, like, that was, like, my only reasoning. And so I went that into the... uniform would have been perfect for you, Kay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and so, so 
I went in, I went into the recruiter and I sat down and I was like, you know, this is this is a job that I'm thinking of. And I'd done my research. Mm-hmm. Um, and he told me, oh, well, we don't have that job open. So, but you could do this. And it was like, it was like be a nuclear engineer because my scores were high enough. And I was like, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was such a push for nuclear engineers in, in the Navy. And they were like, your scores are high enough. Go do it. And I was like, no, don't want to. <laughs> um, so that's my personal vendetta against them. Um, I, I feel like where, where, like, the competition comes from just comes from, um, in my experience, just, like, like the pride in your branch mm-hmm. and in what you do. It's, like, what you do, no one else understands. Okay. Um, and so I think it's that along with, like, the, the ASVAB scores that you need to get to get into each branch because they're different. Okay. Um, and so... Um, so like I always remember saying like oh Air Force Chair Force um, because because like through the lens of the Army the Air Force uh, the Air Force is the crew that like um, that has like cushy office jobs and um, and like when they went out to the field and do field exercises like we always said that like their tent was the Hilton. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you know and like when we talked about like like the Navy we always talked about like. Like, people who think they can swim, but they really can't. Um, people that are good at not drowning. Yeah, yes, people are good at not drowning. Um, I think on, a, on an identity, like, base level, like, the Navy is also, like, where all the gay men go. Oh. <laughs> I didn't even think that when I said it. Yeah. Um, well, like, so it's like, when you said that, and I, I laughed a little in my mind, and I was like, well, actually, I kind of, huh. Um, you know, but like, but like, there's that stereotype in there, uh-huh. um, which like that could be dissected into a whole another conversation. Um, and then like with the Marines, because of the fact that Marines have, at least when I took the ASVAB, um, they have the lowest ASVAB score to be able to get in. So we always said that like Marines were the dumbest, um, and we call them like all these like awful names. Um, and it was just like, like it was awful. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm not sure where it comes from. I think that a lot of it has to do with like that inner like pride of we're better than you because of this or whatever um it didn't influence me joining the air force my brother who was in the navy was the one that was like join the air force and i was like okay cool so that's (laughs) what i did um but yeah everybody has like their own conception or like their own little um stereotypes associated to them so the marines are typically like the dumb ones um not saying that Marines are dumb. They are very prideful. Clarification for y'all. Once a Marine, always a Marine. I will, one of the things that I am very, um, I think, just impressed by with the Marine Corps is that pride that they Mm -hmm. carry throughout their lives, even once they've left the Marine Corps. And they have a lot of history and they know their history versus you could ask me when the Air Force birthday is and I have no idea, but I know that the Marine Corps birthday is on November 10th, the day before Veterans Day. (laughs) Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Because every Marine will remind you that it is their birthday. Um, So they'll actually walk around saying, it's my birthday tomorrow. And you think it's their personally their birthday, but it's the Marine Corps birthday. Um, And with (laughs) with the Army, I think that they had a little bit of a, of a, the image that would come to mind where people would call them um, bullet sponges because they were, they were the first ones in to any <laughs> conflict and they just have so many people that they can afford to lose a couple, right? <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that until now. And it, oh, it just makes so much sense in my mind. Uh, 
But the Navy, you have to be a special type of person to be on a ship <coughs> for six plus months, let me tell you. Um, yeah, because be Navy veterans are some of the most interesting individuals that I've come across as far as, far as like the veteran population. But um, I think at the end of the day, everybody really respects what everybody else does. It's yeah. just a little bit of eating and talking, kind of like we do the whole um, Big Ten, go, go Hawks, mm-hmm. and oh, how I hate Ohio State type thing, you know. Um, it's, it's the same, just within military branches and stuff, yeah. At, at the end of the day, we're we're yeah. still one unit. We're still one team. Except the Coast Guard. I, I don't uh, know where they fall. I don't know where they came from, but, you know, whatever. Security. <laughs> they're not even DOD. Sorry, Coast Guard. Sorry. Hey, look, facts you are facts. still matter to someone. <laughs> they do matter. To apparently. DHS. Yeah. Just, they won't let you go. Not, not to DOD. <laughs> yeah. What is DOD? Department of Defense. Okay. I was yeah, thinking yeah. it. Yep. DHS is Homeland Security, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Cool. That's interesting. I didn't know if there was, like, history to it. Well, I mean, of course there's a history to it. Like, somebody had to be like, hey, you, you suck. Well, <laughs> there's, well there's, there's Jody's, right? The songs that you sing during, like, marching. And then yep. one of the mm-hmm. things that um, yep. indoctrinates you into the military. And so mm-hmm. in basic, there was a song that's like, hey, hey, you Marine, you're just the Darhead Marine and the deck-swapping Navy. What's it called? Yep. The Army? be honest i don't the coast guard it was like lazy lazy coast guard and army i don't know i want to say it was something with being dumb Mm -hmm. i mean probably brown brown stomping army there we go yeah 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 and of course the air force coming up on top those scores Gotta be pretty smart. <laughs> the scores get you the biggest office, don't they? <laughs> I have to say, I've met a lot of Air Force people, and they've been awesome. <laughs> Thanks. I'll take that as a personal. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, cool. So just thinking about society, I think a lot of conversation revolves around veterans and veteran status and things that y'all get and don't get. Um, one of the things that I think about a lot in terms of veterans is the number of them that are homeless and mm-hmm. live in the tent city um, and the people that are in veteran hospitals and think about the care that they get, which is awkward because I hear that a lot of people that work at veteran hospitals have to be like the top of the line, like, nurse and doctor and pharmacist and whatever but you also hear that they kind of get the worst treatment um and the worst care possible so maybe some little perspective from your ideas on maybe not what you know about it but just how you feel about it maybe i guess my experience um i received my primary health care through the department of veterans affairs and i have since 2010 and um, it's improved dramatically at least for women and um, the spaces they have for women because the military just being so sexist, uh, a lot of that culture bleeds into veteran culture and can be a very hostile environment for women entering these spaces. Um, So VA has done a a lot of work towards changing the culture or at least making spaces for women to feel comfortable. But um, I think like any organization, it's it's a massive organization. It's uh, one of the closest um, examples we have to universal health. I think that it's easy to come under attack because people aren't going to go into private hospitals. The stories aren't there. Um, 
do I think some veterans have received poor care? Yes, but I think for the ones that receive the poor care, we don't hear about the veterans specifically before you mm -hmm. and okay. um, the really good success stories. And um, I haven't had any really big issues with the VA every time that there is an issue. They have a chain of command just like the military. So you go to your patient advocate, the patient advocate advocates for you and makes all the contacts, calls you back, and resolves your issues. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of it is just knowing how to navigate the system. Okay. But people get overwhelmed and frustrated because when you're in the military, everything's done for you. Mm -hmm. Like, yep. you have someone in your unit who is in charge of appointments, then make sure you go to your medical appointment. And in civilian world, you don't have anybody holding your hand or holding you your accountable mom. like that. <laughs> your mom, did you go to your appointment today? And my mom actually does do that. <laughs> you said you were going to the doctor. What did they say? I'm like, I am 34 years old. Stop, <laughs> stop checking up on me like that. But, you know, yeah. I think, um, yeah, I think I, I've i had great experience with the VA, especially the VA here in Iowa City. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm sure that, you know, with the... All of the controversy that occurred in, in uh, Arizona, where veterans, there was like a death, mm -hmm. what, like a death list or mm -hmm. some kind of secret list for appointments, and mm -hmm. people didn't know. And I think that that's just like the ends up being the result of perverse incentives for higher ups and having to maintain certain type of quotas, and then that's mm -hmm. what ends up happening because people try to game the system. But it's it comes down to individual failure, not really the. Uh, the institution itself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I, I would say from my perspective and, and those that that I've talked to, it, it it seems like that like when they actually like get into their visits and, and like talk to a, to a medical provider, like that experience is good, but then it's like all the like like the administrative stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so um, so like when I um, was still still in the reserves and. Um, and uh, I, I supervised a, a few soldiers, and, and one of them utilized the VA a lot. Um, and so, you know, he would talk about, like, um, like oh, like, I just got a call today, and they said that, like, my paperwork's not signed. But, like, I had the paperwork in my hand that I scanned and sent in, and it's signed. Um, or just, like, or, like, the number of signatures that, like, sometimes, like, he had to get or that others had to get in order to be able to either get an initial appointment or um, be able to qualify for, uh, like, disability um, and things like that. Um, like, I remember having to sign so many papers for one person. Um, like, like, my soldier came in one day and he was just, like, just, like, on a table with, like, a whole stack of papers. Um, like a couple inches thick and, and he was just like these are all the things that I need you to sign in order for me to like continue my care with the VA and I was like I hope you had a signature sign <laughs> <laughs> and that, in that moment I, I really wanted one uh, no but I mean I, I, I signed them all and then like I also had to produce a few documents so like mm -hmm. I had to write like a statement of being like yeah like this soldier has told me that they have experience like with this kind of pain and it's been for this long yeah. um yeah and it just just like the amount of signatures and the amount of people that that person has to talk to first mm -hmm. and then be able to get their appointment or to continue is really hard but like I mean, kind of like you said like like once they're like in the system, um, and they're able to see a medical provider, like, they normally get good care. Okay. Yeah. 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 Y
we, you know, we have to keep in mind too that when we went into Iraq and Afghanistan, I don't think that it was anticipated we would stay in these conflicts that long. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if the Department of Veterans Affairs was really ready for the influx mm-hmm. of veterans yep. coming to to them for for services. And so when that occurred, it's always playing catch up. It's always like making sure that people are enrolling to so that the VA can get the funding that mm-hmm. is necessary to help these veterans mm-hmm. for next 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 fiscal year um and just then continuously trying to keep up with the influx of people that they have to serve and so yeah. I, I think uh for the most part if you know how to advocate for yourself then you do fine okay. but it's really being proactive and advocating for yourself yeah i think that gives great perspective because i think especially for me uh see what people post on facebook and what they say they know and I mean, of course you got to fact check people. I'm all about a good fact check. <laughs> hey, yo. That's what Google is for. <laughs> you got to look for the right websites, yeah. though. All these yes. people out here, they be looking at this elephant ran up the street.org and they be like, this is a reliable source. <laughs> the like, whales are like, <laughs> exactly. No, thank you. Um, okay, good perspective. I like that. Um, sorry, Mr. Spencer. Um, <laughs> Why am I blanking so hard right now? Uh, you want to talk about party culture in the military? Ooh, <laughs> didn't think about that. I do think about movies and think about that party culture. <laughs> Is it similar to that? Hey, turn it up. Um, but no, let's talk about what Well, just like. imagine um, your undergrads that have like their own sources of income mm. and don't have to go to class. Yep. Mm. This many. Yep. <laughs> so lit. All That's the time. The definition all, of lit. All, all the time. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's like work out twice a day and drink. Yeah. Like. Yeah. I remember waking up, going to work, going to the bar, waking up, going to work, going to the bar for like weeks on end. That was just yep. the way that you did things. You just you got try to get on like either swing shift, which was the daytime shift between noon and nine p.m., or you try to get on the um, late night shift, the nine p.m. to six a.m. Because you could drink in the morning, or you could drink um, when you got off of work. Yep. Hello, military community. <laughs> 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 oh yeah, and well, and like, and, and like when I went on like drill weekends, it was the exact same way where we like we'd go to work and like in passing, all of our conversations were like, where are we gonna go to dinner and where are we gonna drink after? Yeah. Okay. And then you just see everyone hungover at formation the next yeah. morning. <laughs> And like and and for I mean a portion of my career like I was underage so like I couldn't go drink at the bars, um, so I'd be like okay I'm gonna go back to like my room and just like chill till tomorrow morning. It's like I normally just work on homework, but just like the next morning, just seeing how many people were hungover, <laughs> like like it was entertaining and yet also concerning. Mm-hmm. Oh well. Yeah, and then you know who just got back, whose unit just got back from deployment because the parking lot would be full of them brand new cars with templates on yep. them. And you're like, okay, that unit must have just gotten back from deployment because yep. all the kids are driving brand new cars. <laughs> oh <laughs> my <flexing>. gosh. <laughs> the amount of irresponsible spending <laughs> and just like lack of like financial literacy yeah. surrounding lower enlisted um, is just, it, it boggles my mind. Um, so, sorry. 
I see that as a meme quite often. Yes. It's like, ooh, got that uh, sign-in check when bought my first car. Yes. But now I don't have money to fix it because yeah. it broke down. <laughs> or you can't afford to put gas in your car. Uh-huh. Here, right. here you are, little um, brand new enlistee living in the dorms. Um, so you make maybe, what, $1,000 a month, $500 every paycheck? Sure. So here you go, buy your first car at like 20% interest. And you, right. your car payment's almost $500. Then your insurance is about $300. Yep. And then next thing you know, there is your money for the month. Yep. So you can't afford to put gas in your car. Yep. So, so it just sits there and so collects. It, it does. It does. It's snowed on, rained on. It does. On. Literally. Oh, my gosh. At least it looks pretty. <laughs> yes. Well, and, and, like, in all the times that I went on exercises, like, with active duty folks or, um, or like, when I had to do, like, uh, like, necessarily exercises, but, like, I would also, like, teach classes and stuff like that for active duty folks and just seeing them, like, drive up in, like, their fancy cars and they come out and they're, like, an E2. Yeah. And I'm, like, you're a private. So E2's, like, How? pretty new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, like, brand new. Um, and so, like, I'm, like, you're, like, a private. You're, like, on the bottom of the food chain. How can you afford a Mustang? Like, a 2015-16 Mustang. <laughs> it's got all like all the like pretty stuff in it, and I'm like, I'm like, I am like three ranks above you, <laughs> and like, I like ate ramen all last month. <laughs> <laughs> like, what's happening? I mean, yes, like they were active duty and I was reserve, um, but you know, but they would just come in and talk about you know all these things as if, as if they had all this money because, um. Like, because when you're on active duty, like, you're in barracks, and, like, you don't necessarily have to, like, pay rent if you live on base and in the barracks. Mm-hmm. You get fed, and <laughs> right. you do laundry there, the and yep, a day. you paid first uh, and 15th every month. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. Constant flow of income. You don't have many things to pay for. Not a whole lot of supervision. Nope. So. No, nope. sounds like Wild a reality out. TV <laughs> yes. show. <laughs> yes. Okay, but like in my mind, sometimes I think it really could be the real, the real world, military edition. Right, yeah. right, right. It's like it's like if you took like like one squad and it was like keeping up with the Kardashians, maybe like, maybe like keeping up with like with you know you know what I mean with like Airman Joe. Or like, yeah, yeah, or like the keep, keep up with the HR section, yeah. you know, and like with the combo section and with know, the you know. I just, heard the HR section would. I mean, I don't. I, I mean, I don't think they would. I use that. <laughs> I don't think they would. Is the first one I thought of. But like, it could be like you know, just you know, just the, the combo section, or just, you know, it's just yeah. I just I, I think about that a lot. Parties, coaches, future investments. Uh, <laughs> so is that something that y'all think they need? Because there's a lot of discipline that comes. Is is the financial piece that comes later down the line? Then like, or. Like, people experience that and then recognize that they need to work on it. Um, I remember sitting through constant financial literacy courses and workshops and part of, like, normal briefings. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you're a kid, like, you don't care. You know that a paycheck's going to come every first and 16th. Um, You know that you're always going to get fed and you're going to get housed and you're going to get clothes. So you don't really see the consequences to your actions until you're a little bit older and you have shit credit, and then mm-hmm. here we are. Yep. Now you're in your first sergeant's office or your leadership's office, and they're talking to you about having to make sure that you're making your payments on time, and mm-hmm. then it just goes downhill from there. I don't know if there's any necessary solution other than uh, 
the, the work has to start at home. Yeah. yeah. With a lot of these kids yep. being low income before they come in, their parents yep. don't have, might not have those skills. Mm-hmm. And so yep. then it's skills that they haven't mastered. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would definitely agree. I, I think within the military, like, we we try to remedy, like, things that are happening by overkill. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as a response to seeing, like, a lot of soldiers, like, being financially illiterate, then, uh, at least in, in my experience, they've been like, okay, now every single time we get together and have a series of briefings, like we do every single quarter, um, like, we're also going to include financial literacy. Okay. Um, and so you just get, like, like desensitized, mm-hmm. almost. And you're just like, okay, yeah, it's just another briefing. I don't really care. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also in my experience, like, in many people transitioning out, there's also not, like, somebody sitting down with you, and it's like, this is what your finances look like. Mm-hmm. You know? And, um, you know, it, it's like, okay, so, like, you're not in the military anymore. Let's talk about things that you have to pay for. Um and so I think that that like that lack of support also contributes to a lot of the things that you see within the veteran community as well. Because you did bring up homelessness, and homelessness mm-hmm. is a big issue, but a lot of it is also compounded by uh, mental health issues. Yes. So t- mental health and substance abuse issues. Yes. And um, does it make it more likely that so it is more likely that a veteran will be homeless than a non-veteran. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that the issues are just so much more than just what we see. It's not about the cost. It's not about not being able to afford housing because we have such extensive programs and nonprofits have extensive programs. Some of it just comes down to mental health and substance abuse issues mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, choosing to be homeless. I think that's a choice that sometimes homeless people do make, that it's a lifestyle they've gotten used to, and now having mm-hmm. to have them change that lifestyle, it's not something that they're willing to do. Yep. Um, I know there's a lot of emerging work on that, mm-hmm. so I, I definitely think that it's work that needs to continue, especially for the veteran population, because women veterans are also at a higher risk than the yes. civilian cohorts in um, being homeless, and then also our suicide rich, uh, it, um, ratios are also increasing, and twenty. Yep. Uh, so the number that's out right now, they will say 22, but it's actually 21 veterans. The VA redid their their, their um, mm-hmm. numbers on that, and it's about 21 veterans a day that commit suicide. And a lot of those veterans are older veterans, a lot of Vietnam-era veterans, and we all know the issues and how problematic that um, war and returning for them was mm-hmm. um, versus uh, Iraq and Afghanistan um, or Gulf War II veterans are not as likely. Well, and, and I feel like a lot of that contributes to, like, the generational stigmas around mental health. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, in in talking to you and observing, you know, the, the high rates of, of suicide, especially, like you said, within Vietnam vets, and thinking about, like, the culture of the military within that generation, you know, it was, it was so different. Um, and, and I think had... I mean, saw, I mean, I think a lot more action, but, but was also trained in a very, very different and more um, kind of violent way um, than, you know, what I was trained, you know, decades later. Um, and then even the, the conversations around mental health in my generation compared to that generation 
um, and being able to say, okay, yeah, I think something's up. I need to go talk to someone. Um, whether it's just talking to like a sibling or another soldier or something like that, like you're still able to have like that conversation, um, you know, versus, you know, Vietnam, Gulf War, etc. It was just like, I'm dealing with all this and I'm not going to tell anyone because that then, you know, I, I'm then rid of my integrity and honor as a person because I'm admitting that this was wrong. So we've had a lot of highs and lows in the conversation. Yes. A lot of good in-depth things that I have learned a lot from. Um, and so hopefully the people that listen learn that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of want to do some end wrap up and just kind of talk about what is like the best thing that you gained from being in the military that you kind of will always hold a part of that like military identity. Like if somebody's like, preach about it every day, which part would you preach about that you learned from the military? I think there's two. I'll, I'll give you two parts. Okay. I'm a full uh, uh, can name drop. Okay. Yeah, comfortable <laughs> with it, but if you don't think... There's someone in uh, my cohort. <laughs> Let me... This is, this is a both and. <laughs> I, ooh, I knew you were going to say that. This is a both and. Um... I think that for me, what I've gained most uh, was kind of like that self-discipline mm-hmm. and that really like belief in self. Um, in the military, you don't fail. Like they can put you through every course, and one thing that they're really good at is making you believe the entire time you're going to fail that they don't let you fail at the end. Mm-hmm. And so I don't really remember failing at anything in the military. And if I was coming close, I mean the instructors rally around you and really give you that extra support in order to continue. And I think that that's kind of guided how I've ended up my life and how I've ended up in a PhD program because even though I don't feel like I'm the smartest or that I'm the most, um, have the best background to be successful in a PhD program, I brought that mentality of like, well, if I haven't failed before, why would I fail now? And um, just really trying to navigate through the whole thing. But also I think in another way, what I carry personally is important in my military service because as a woman of color, I think especially in divisive times like now, I know that I've done for my country what others have not. Mm-hmm. And when faced with feelings of, am I an American? Do I belong here? It's like, hell yeah, I fucking belong here. I deployed twice to Iraq, once to Afghanistan. What have you done for your country? Mm-hmm. And so that's my... One of the reasons why I think that, like, I am so um, happy with my own decision to having joined is that I know I belong here, mm-hmm. and I know that um, I will continue to belong here, and my children will have a place here, and my parents have a place here before because of our combined sacrifice with my brother and I being in the military. Um, I I would say that the military gave me a lot of the tools that I needed in order to figure out what I want to do with my life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I when I went into the military, you know, and I was also simultaneously going into college, um, like, I didn't really have any direction. I was like, yeah, I'm going to just do this because it seems, you know, cool and whatever. Um, but I feel like the military gave me that that sense of self-discipline and and confidence in myself and the decisions that I make um, and being able to go and seek out resources. 
uh, in order for me to um, to kind of end up where I am. Um, you know, if it wasn't for you know learning about those um, like critical thinking skills and um, and you know knowing how to ask for help or seek out resources, especially with with that idea around um, like we're not gonna let you fail. Um, you know, to me that's taught um, like like things in life are hard. Flash life is hard, and like you know that you also have people around you who won't let you. One last thing before we wrap up. What is one thing or a couple things that people should consider as they go into the military? Because some people do just jump head first into it. Are there some things that you think that maybe people should really recognize before they go? Um, why I think asking themselves why they're doing it and okay. really reminding themselves the entire time, like why did I do this and why am I here? And making sure that you're joining for reasons that are gonna sustain you throughout that time because there's highs and there's lows, and some people are made for the military and do very, very well, yep. and some are not. I mean, the military is not definitely not for the weak if they want to make it a career. Um, I think really think about where they are now and if the military is going to benefit them individually. Um, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's better to just go into higher ed and do that thing and go into the workforce and and just continue on because there's other ways to, to serve your country, not necessarily joining the military. Just make sure that it's the best decision for you. Mm -hmm. um, I would say for those who are thinking about joining that haven't joined yet, do your research. Um, I didn't do research. Um, and, and I think a lot of highs uh, and a lot of lows, a lot, a lot of lows resulted because of that. Um, so do, like, do your research on the branch on the job, on, you know, I, like, talk, like, talk to a recruiter consistently, but also, like, that recruiter has a network of their own. Um, and if they're a good recruiter, they will connect you to people. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's really important. Do the research. Um, I think if you just decide to kind of dive in, um, it's going to be find, find people to support you because you're going to need it. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you all for coming and talking about some experiences and giving your thoughts about the different things. Um, there's a lot that you can talk about with mm -hmm. veterans in America and thinking about all the things that you all are involved in on a regular basis. Um, I think especially because you all are also used as a big defense mechanism for other people to do a lot of things that they do in their time of mm -hmm. life. Um, but uh, we just didn't have time to really jump into that. You know, That's right. feedback. People don't like <laughs> podcasts that are like super long, apparently. Um, so I don't want to take up too much of their time or your mm -hmm. time. Um, but I really do appreciate you all sharing. I think that I've learned a lot. Hopefully people that tune in learn a lot as well because there's some good stuff that you all definitely said. Um, so I don't know if you all want to say bye to the people. <laughs> bye to the people. <laughs> bye to the people. <laughs> all right awesome thank, thank you, you all you're us. welcome um so thank you all for tuning in on this episode of the coffee table um as always it is the prince of petty your educated black man yes that is me marcus i'll be back with our next episode soon um which i think is also going to be a good juicy tidbit as well so have a good rest of the day night weekend whatever you're doing as you're listening have a good one Bye.